This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by the Dot Online Domain. So think about it. You've got a website like musiconline.com. What if you could make that music.online? Kind of stands out. Or maybe like duct tape.online. Makes a world of difference. Check them out at get.online today. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jansen. My guest today is Erica Maurer. She's an event producer, event coach, and partner at EMRG Media. She also owns a couple of events and uh, puts on a few events around the Event Planner Expo, the Women's Insider Network, which we're going to talk about uh, a little bit today. But uh, first and foremost, Erica, welcome to the show. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. And Let's just talk about, we are recording this in March of 2021. So let's just talk about the state of events now. Obviously, we've gone through uh, a big change. I, I'm an author. I do have done for many, many years, lots of events every year. Those came to a screeching halt, at least in their uh, current format, and, and people are pivoting all over the place. In fact, I suspect you pivoted your agency a little bit. We completely had to pivot. It was almost like a full shutdown overnight. And then a complete rebuild and adaption. So that's definitely what we've been doing. And we were able to take our in-person events into the virtual arena. And that took a lot of changes. Sure. So so, so kind of where, if somebody came to you and said, where are we now? Like, obviously there was a period, a freak out period, right? Where everything went virtual. There was scrambling to figure out how to do it. A lot of them were crappy events because people didn't know how to do it. But where, where do you think we are now? Because obviously over nine months, 10 months, that process has matured a little bit. So I think that there was definitely the growth process where companies were very hesitant to move from in-person to virtual. Right. And then what happened was they realized the holiday season was coming up in like December and they needed to do something for their employees and really focus to give back. Yeah. And so that was where that jump came, where people said, okay, I don't understand it. I'm not even sure I like it, but I want to be part of it. And I want to create something special for our team or our clients or our prospects. So that's where they kind of modified into the virtual world. And then from there, they realized, okay, I have to do something to connect the community, to connect my staff, to connect being able to deal with our sales teams and so forth. And then we were creating engaging experiences. And so I don't want to say that they fully jumped initially. There was a, definitely a big hesitation. But as they started to kind of put down their guard and say, we know that the value is, is connecting people, mm -hmm. then they started to embrace it further. And then now what we're seeing actually is another jump where they're saying, well, we're in the virtual world, but can we have a plan for maybe a hybrid? And what would that look like? Although they don't want to pull the trigger yet as to say, I will go back into like in-person. Yeah. And it's funny because when we say events, a lot of people, me included, jump to kind of the thousand person, 2000 person conference kind of events. But with so many companies that had not done work from home, the, the all hands meeting became mm -hmm. a virtual event, right? And so I think it really forced people to 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 react and, and kind of come up with new ways. And and because of that, what are you seeing or what's 
what's your uh, bet on the future? Or a lot of these companies that I've seen a lot of companies saying, but well, we're getting rid of the office or people are only coming in three days a week now. Or So what's the future going to look like in all forms of events? I think there's going to be a couple different buckets. I think there's going to be the large corporations that will not want to be the first to come back to in-person. So I think they're going to stay with hybrid and creative virtual. So we're seeing a lot of that with the brands. And so what they've been incorporating in as opposed to doing it in person is a virtual with like a gifting box. So I could send you something and say, John, will you open this when we launch the event? So we have a curated, all engaging experience. So that's one that we're seeing. Another piece that we're seeing is we've been producing a lot of town hall events, which are normally internal, private, you know, information about companies' earnings And we've been doing that because they want to make it a little bit more special. And then what we're seeing is the conferences, which we, like you said, we produce one where we have to take it from in-person and make the pivot for a three-day conference where we had 4,000 people, 100 speakers, and about 100 vendor partners. So now you're really, and networking. So you're kind of combining all these different pieces together and then you're seeing, we just booked an event for a run walk where normally it would have been in person. And we're now talking about doing a hybrid. So it would be a virtual run walk hmm. with some kind of like auction items online. So it's kind of like, it's almost opening the world of anything that you can imagine right, right. you can create. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's actually created some opportunities though. The walks for nonprofits and stuff are a perfect example because they pretty much had to be at a place with lots of logistics. Everybody had to show up then. And now I've seen some people do some kind of neat things around. Yeah. You know, I did a groundhog day run. Well, that's on a Tuesday morning. When would you have done that before? Never. Right? <laughs> exactly. So, so I think that there are some real opportunities. Now, one of the things that I think was, was understandable was a lot of people said, oh crap, we got to go virtual. And they try to produce a virtual event like an in-person event, which I think is impossible, frankly. And so what are some of the things that you've learned that are the realities of virtual that you have to adapt and you have to change your event around because of the technology? Because let's face it, a virtual event, I can get up and go to the bathroom anytime I want. You know, if I'm seated in a conference room, that's not so easy. So what are some of the things we have to do to make virtual events their own thing? So what I found is that there's a couple different pieces. So people who might have done well being a moderator or a host in a real life experience might not come across the same way in a camera situation. So you have to take moderators and keynotes that are at like 150%, right? 50%, 100% doesn't even come through these, these experiences anymore. So you have to take that level of energy to another level. So that was interesting because I had a whole team of people that I worked with in what I call the real world. And as we pivoted, I realized some of those people were not resonating and coming through in a virtual arena. So I had to say, well, what do I need and what does the client need? And then kind of curate a new experience. We also had to work with some strategic partners to do virtual studios where we would have event hosts going into a studio and having custom backgrounds and really transporting them. So talking about holiday season, a lot of companies wanted to see snowflakes and feel like there's Christmas lights or or Hanukkah lights, right? And so we were able to do that from a 3D virtual background. That's something that if you told me that a year ago, I would have laughed and said, no way, like that's not happening. 
So that's something that we've seen. We've also noticed that the engagement has to be very high. And you have to think of it from a production producer perspective, almost like you're producing a play. You're producing a show and create it as each is an act. Mm -hmm. And how are you going to fluidly create this production to show a complete show in essence? Whereas an irregular event before the pandemic, you show up and you have a run of show, kind of the general gist. And then you take your hands and you walk over to the bar and you get a client a drink. There's none of that anymore. Everything has to really be pre-planned and it has to be pre-planned to a point of where there's no options to make changes. So you can't say, oh, John, oh, you want a cocktail right now? I can't do that for you, right? Like it's just not capable. So you have to amend what you're going to incorporate. So what we always do is we do these like back channels where we're talking with, let's say the client or, or the speakers, and we're trying to do things like a little bit ad lib. But most of it has to really be overthought and make sure that it all flows. And then what happens if there's a break? What happens if someone's mic doesn't come on, right? What are, who's your backup? Right. So kind of having those adjustments that is completely different than what a true event planner in, prior to the pandemic would have even had to incorporate. So I, I belong to a group, pretty active group of public speakers. And so there's obviously the last few months, everybody's sharing equipment and techniques and tips and things that they've been doing. One of the things that I think has come across loud and clear is the, the difference in this format is that when you're on a stage, you're the big thing. The spotlight's on you. You're one to 10,000 people or however many, one to a hundred people. But in this virtual environment, it's kind of one-to-one now because you're talking to basically a camera. And so most, I, I know a lot of speakers that have ditched slides altogether and are really making sure that they're the focus because that's when, and that they're, it's, they've changed their presentations to not involve, obviously you can't do some of the gags and the humor doesn't work as well when you don't get a laugh back. So it's really, I think your point about how you have to actually, it's a different skill set almost. Not everybody who's a great, like inspirational public speaker to masses is a great virtual speaker. Yeah, hundred percent. And we were actually, we do a lot of entertainment components, right? So when I'm talking about doing like a theater or a production show, we'll do it as acts. So we have like illusionists that we might have that come on and we actually have to pull from the audience and bring people on stage so that there is that human connection because what we find is if you just do straight content from an event production, people usually get disengaged. Right. And so you have to overly develop what that story is going to look like. So we've done the illusionist, we've done dueling pianos. So like singing and people will comment in the chats and then you can unmute people, but usually they're not even good singers. So yeah. It doesn't sound that great, but it gives people like a connection for that moment. And then also creating backdrops. So what we've been doing is we'll create like with a logo and allow them to have it ahead of time. So when they come on screen, they all look like they're unified yeah. and that makes them feel like engaged. And we've been doing virtual photo booths mm. where you can take a picture and share. So we're trying, although we know that in-person is always going to be in-person and virtual is always going to be different. We're trying to create as much of an in-person experience in a virtual world as possible and do that by selecting engaging experiences where people won't be bored. So if I said, tell me about the the actual natural advantages of virtual over in-person that might actually 
have somebody say, well, we're moving half of our events. We're keeping them virtual. What mm-hmm. are, are there pros to, to the virtual that, that can exist in, in, in. The, so there's in- definitely pros to having virtual. And what I saw specifically were as follows. One, you have clients and you have staff that are located all around the country that never met each other. For the first time ever, you could actually have a unified event where legitimately you could have a thousand people on screen and you could see all their faces and you could say, hey, I want to say hi to John in Denver and I want to say hi to Erica in New York and I want to include this person who's in Mexico and someone who's in Japan. That never could happen in prior to COVID. So that's something that gives clients like a distinct value, an added component that as they do now, let's say, reopen and do events, there can always be a virtual element that would allow you to include those people that aren't like local. And that's something that's a huge advantage. Additionally, from like a brand perspective, if you're rolling out new products and now you can reach a country, you can reach continents, those things didn't really exist when you think about events. You had to get on a plane, you had to fly. If, As you mentioned, you're a speaker, right? So now you can literally queue up in your home and you can literally book five shows. When could you ever do that yeah. in the, the world before? You couldn't, right? And people didn't even think about it. People didn't think that they could speak in New York and speak in California at the same day. That just, that wouldn't happen, right? So yeah. so I yeah. think that there's a lot of those, those pieces. It also gives people who maybe are older, who don't want to come to a company event, yeah. but don't want to say no because they feel like their job could be at Jeopardy, right? Mm-hmm. So they can now queue in from a remote. Or for that experience, for that example, we've been doing a lot of family events where we can have children with the parents and we could say, thank you for your hard work. And we know that your children are in your home. Now, why don't we bring them in and why don't you have a collective family experience? When, think about it, when has that ever been something that companies thought about? They didn't. Now let's hear from our sponsor, Dot Online Domains. Look, building a business is a tough job. It requires relentless hard work, blood, sweat, tears, paying attention to important details such as your domain name. Didn't think of that one, did you? Well, domain names are a business's online address. And today, with domain extensions such as .online, you can get domain name that is meaningful, global, relevant, keyword rich, and most importantly, unique. Stand out from the herd and carve your unique space online with a .online online domain name. Get yours today at get.online. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> a lot of them were forced to because uh, the dog and <laughs> the dog and the kid were in the spare bedroom with them. So yeah, that I, I think that's I think that's what's interesting is there's a lot of stuff we just didn't do because we didn't do. Where now now I think a lot of people are like like a lot of things. It's like, oh that actually was good. <laughs> so no, really. there'll be things that people keep. I, mm-hmm. I think you're right. And I think your idea of Hybrid is something that I, I'm seeing. I'm I'm starting to get booked now for the fall. And mm-hmm. some of the conferences that are very large conferences that have 10,000 people are not going to have 10,000 people, now, even if everybody's got a shot. <laughs> and so they are starting to do kind of half and half. They are going to have some speakers on a main stage, but they're also going to have workshops and things that you can attend virtually. And I think that that, at least for another year, or maybe that'll be the model. A hundred percent. There might be people that say legitimately, I used to go to a conference that was 10,000 people in a 40,000 square foot space, and I'm just not comfortable. It doesn't matter if I am vaccinated or whatever. They might just say, I don't want to deal with that. Right. Will people handshake? I don't know. Will people give people hugs? Right. (laughs) Yeah. We don't don't know. 
Yeah, I miss that probably more than anything, quite frankly. I'm a hugger. So, all right. So let's talk technology for a bit. I want to go down two tracks because uh, one of the things that always happens when there's a problem, technology rushes in or innovation rushes in. And so let's talk about Zoom because who hasn't used Zoom that's listening to this, right? So have you found, are there some ways that if somebody's using Zoom, because everybody's using it for the weekly meeting, they're using it for you know bigger meetings. Have you found ways to enhance Zoom add-ons, things like that? That's track number one. And then the other one, I just want to go like, what are some other technologies that you're really in love with too? So let's start with Zoom. Sure. So initially, I was very hesitant of using Zoom for right. events. And we explored a bunch of different technology options. And what we found was people didn't understand it. They understood Zoom. So then we said, hmm, that's interesting. People are on Zoom all the time. Why are we not using Zoom? So we went back to Zoom and we said, how do we make this experience better? How do we make it special? How do we make it so that people don't think that they're logging on for their meeting or their work call? What do we do? And we thought about it and we said, well, what would you do in a, in a theater, right? You would do a welcome screen. You would have music in the beginning. You would have a countdown clock. Yeah. And what we did was we actually built out, like I said, slides or, yeah. you know, what we call like different acts. Yeah. And we created that through Zoom. And actually Zoom is now our go-to platform. And I know that that sounds crazy because in the beginning I said, in the beginning, I didn't want to use it. Yeah. But what we found is, there's less confusion with people logging in. They understand it from an operational perspective. People don't feel that they have to be educated prior to an event. So the learning curve and the user experience is more enjoyable, which allows for less frustration and the ability to be watching and really experiencing the event. Now, what we did was we created what we call a custom dashboard. Mm -hmm. So we build out, it's basically like a platform. It's like modules. And you can log in to the Zoom and you could say, I want to go to the room that the illusionist is in. Mm -hmm. And it'll literally link to another Zoom and it takes you somewhere else. So it's in essence a portal. Mm -hmm. Or for example, we'll do when we do our conferences, we'll do agendas and we'll say, click on your dashboard for today's agenda and you can download it. So what we found is that utilizing Zoom with like a tech add-on, so a custom dashboard, you can now build out whatever function you want. So you can have branding for clients, you can put logos, you can have, like I said, the agenda, you could do a custom Zoom background that could be like funny different options that clients can, guests can pick and and decide what they want to go with. You can log a virtual photo booth and it's very seamless. So it allows you to go to one spot and then come back as opposed to these robust systems that were really just created that are so confusing and intimidating and costly And people leave being frustrated and not feeling like they experience the event because they're spending half of it trying to like navigate. So we've seen both sides, but I find that most of the platforms that are not simplified are just too over the top. And there's certainly something to be said for the fact that everybody knows how to use a tool that that's that's that makes total sense. The, just for my own personal curiosity, the the dashboard is that is that a third party add on? Is that something you built proprietary that you're able to make work with Zoom? Or that's not something from Zoom, right? So we we built it. Yeah, okay. It is a tech add on, and 
I don't know if, if you've ever seen it, but like, do you ever go to like a Tony Robbins session where there's like, you ever see a thing where it has like thousands of people on the screen? That's through Zoom. Yeah. And what it is, is it's basically logging a bunch of different computers into okay. a bunch of different ports yeah. into multiple Zoom accounts and then allowing it all to come together. So my partner kind of like is, he's a very big study and he looked at all these different things that people were doing and he literally said, well, I need to do this, this, and this. And then he took our tech team and we created these dashboards. So in theory, like you can add it on to any Zoom. It's something that you can change. Once you have the dashboard, we can have like someone really quickly manipulate certain things so that you can kind of repurpose it over and over. But it's something that we needed because we were receiving requests and the clients needed to be over a thousand people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had firewalls yeah. and they said, we can't use a B and C system, but we can use zoom because it's pre-approved for yeah. our internal. So we were like, okay, now what? Yeah. And that's how the whole thing came about. So, so ultimately it's it, to simplify things. It's kind of based on using multiple zoom meetings or, or webinars kind of. Yeah. So you're joining it together and then you can also do like, you can link it to like a Google doc. So if you had an agenda that lived in the Google doc, you can attach it. So yeah. it's basically like a portal and yeah. yes, you can stream them together. Cool. So, so you maybe answered this already, but I, I find that some of the engagement tools in Zoom, and maybe you've addressed that as well, but are a little bit lacking. So I see a lot of people doing back channels in say like Slack or something of that nature. And again, a lot of organizations use Slack for internal comms mm-hmm. anyway. So that's another one where maybe there's some some uptake already. I've seen people do like after shows on Clubhouse and things like that. Yes. So what are some, some creative things you're seeing people do kind of in that to kind of keep the thing going? Yeah. So actually we, it's funny that you said Clubhouse. We just did a International Women's Day event on Clubhouse for mm-hmm. eight hours mm-hmm. um, where we had 36 speakers. And then after we finished the initial 12 to 6 time that we had scheduled with the agenda and everything, we then opened up a new room yeah. and we called it the after party. So people are kind of mixing different modalities to say, okay, I'm doing an event on this platform after party is here. And I've been seeing that a lot because people are trying to say, we want to make sure that people know, okay, we're not just stuck in one system or another and give different functionality since obviously club clubhouse is just an audio, whereas zoom, you can see people. So after you're tired being on zoom, you can go to clubhouse and you can just talk and you might be home and no longer dressed up. So your earphones on or or something. You don't even have to talk. So yeah, absolutely. So, so tell us a little bit about, I mentioned at the beginning, your two conferences and just where somebody who is interested in learning more about your event planning. Sure. So EMRG is our events marketing and production agency. And then underneath that, we have two different subdivisions. So we have the event planner expo, which we launched nine years ago. It's a leading events, marketing and hospitality trade show located in New York. We have 4,000 attendees that come over the course of three days We do an opening party. We do a day of education. Last year, we had to take it virtual. So we had, for example, Damon John, Shark Tank, Kevin Harrington, Shark Tank. We had Clinton Sparks and Tim Storr. We had a whole lineup of really, really great speakers. And again, leading back to the virtual world, we wouldn't have been able to curate that if it was not virtual. So I I do say virtual really helped in that regard. And then we have vendor booths. So if you're in the events hospitality industry and you want to get business, you might 
book a booth. And so that would allow people to come and see your services and exchange ideas and make connections. Again, because they're looking to drive business, they want to be connected with planners. And then we have education where we talk about how to grow your business. What are some tips? What are trends? We always want to kind of go towards the entrepreneur because we know that everyone's always looking for ideas and how to stay forward and how to be fresh and what are new trends. But we also want to be mindful of you can't be successful if your mindset's not great, right? You can't be successful if you don't know sales and marketing and different strategies. So from an educational perspective, we don't just say if you're not an event planner, you won't learn. We want it to look at a business owner. So that's kind of what the trade show is. And we're going in now to our ninth year. We are bringing. That's hmm? in the fall. So are you, are you, are you planning to be in person again this year? Well, <laughs> we did have the venue book last year. Yeah. The venue did not allow us to get our money back. They renewed us to the next year. Right. So now we technically are booked for October. <laughs> Right. And ultimately, we'll have to see what New York says, even if the world said, like, it's OK to come back in totality. I don't think that our team would be fully comfortable right. bringing 4000 people. I just don't think we're there yet unless something catastrophic changes. Yep. We would probably do a hybrid and yep. do some like VIP experiences or more intimate engagement and then definitely have the curated virtual. So becoming a hybrid. I just I don't think it's realistic to think that we could get to the level that we normally are at or for that experience, deliver the level of energy and experience that people think of us. So I'm not sure that we're ready yet, but we are booked. <laughs> so if people are interested in the events, the Event Planner Expo and our website, theeventplannerexpo.com, and we're going to be mapping that out. But exciting news is we do have Colin Cowie, who is a celebrity planner who has joined us for several years and he's coming back and we are going to be announcing our keynote speakers. So we're going to move on as if it's virtual with the hopes that we can do some in-person aspect. Yeah. Nice. And work. it's just emrgmedia.com is where they can find out really about all of, all of your work and, uh, and what you're doing. Is that right? Yes. Great. And we'll have that, of course, in the show notes. And so, Erica, I appreciate you uh, stopping by for a few minutes of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. And hopefully uh, hopefully, I'll see you in New York sometime again. When we, Perfect. Uh, Maybe you'll come and speak at one of the events. We'd love to uh, have you. I'd love to do it. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. All right. That wraps up another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Feel free to share this show. Feel free to give us reviews. You know, we love those things. Also, did you know that we had created training, marketing training for your team? If you've got employees, if you've got a staff member that wants to learn a marketing system, how to install that marketing system in your business, check it out. It's called the Certified Marketing Manager Program from Duct Tape Marketing. You can find it at ducttapemarketing.com and just scroll down a little and find that tab that says training for your team. Mm -hmm.